0: Hello, everyone. I'm Elena Armijo, and I'm the founder of the C-Suite Collective. This is a company I created for executive leadership coaching and wellness that supports C-Suite executives, entrepreneurs, and founders. We support modern companies committed to fostering diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, holistic organizational growth, and generational impact for years to come. Now, more than ever, businesses are running faster and with fewer resources— Burnout, overwhelm, disconnection, and disillusionment are the new norm for teams struggling with an old paradigm. At the C-Suite Collective, we believe deeply that providing massive support for your teams through executive coaching and holistic practices will create an inclusive culture, higher levels of performance, sustainable change, and the organizational impact you desire. You can find us at the c-suitecollective.com. What does Celebration of Women's History Month and Beyond look like? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment today, we have Alicia James, a coach and healer who focuses on emotional freedom, intuitive development, and self-liberation. I hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. celebration of women's history month and beyond look like. So, we recently just completed March of 2023 where it is Women's History Month. And I was thinking a lot about what would it look like to not only celebrate this month every year but live this month intentionally every year throughout the year. And also celebrate this month every year but live intentionally the rest of the year through the lens of equity for all. So one of the things I want to share is I was on a a workshop contract this last month that we were working uh, together with the C-Suite Collective. And it happened to be, I was leading with two other women from the C-Suite Collective. So we were were together in this really big contract this month. And we were having kind of a hard time. It was a tough workshop, a tough room. And after the workshop, we were feeling so depleted and low energy and just really kind of like, you know, we'd worked two full days and we'd given everything we had in our hearts and bodies and mind. And we were just, our gas tanks were on empty. So what I love is we got in the car and there was a voice note from Aaron and it was so beautiful. It was just this simple voice note that said that he he loved me. And he wanted to celebrate Women's History Month and say that he celebrates me today and every day and all days, and that he is honored to stand for me and women across the world in our our fight for equality and really for the world to honor women. And I think it was just such a special moment to hear this voice note. He always sends the most beautiful, loving voice notes to me, but this one in particular, with being in a car full of two other women who had just led a workshop full of a lot of women. It felt like a really intentional, beautiful moment. So the thing I want to offer you all as a tip for every month is think about these three things. The first is we can't actually leave men behind. The thing that I love the most about that voice note from Erin is that oftentimes in a conversation about men versus women or even non-binary conversations, there's someone losing or being left out. And I want to offer that surrounding yourself with people and men like Erin who are willing to see you and hear you, even if they can't understand you, but honor what you're up to in the world is important. So find those allies. The second thing is, who is your collective sisterhood? Mine are the people in the C-Suite Collective and dear friends that I surround myself with and my family. So if you're not looking at intentionally creating sisterhood with other women, where could you gather them for support and call them collective sisters? And the third is, support conversations around equity and pay and opportunities and a true collective. If everyone was seen and honored for who they are and there was support given for things that are needed specifically to men versus women or non-binary conversations where there are special things that are needed for others, where can you be inclusive and actually start supporting that conversation? It was a beautiful month and it was such a, a joy to be surrounded by women last month and to welcome this conversation in with Alicia. Alicia, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. I am so excited that you're here. I remember the first time I met you. I, I always like to talk about the first time <laughs> I meet people on the podcast because there's just something magical about that first meeting, and I always um, yeah I never forget it with humans. And so with you, I've never met you in person. Well, no, do no, actually, we did a photo shoot, but when I first yes, met you, true. I met you online. And it was a while before we met in person. Um, yeah. And we met because we were trying to create this crazy coaching show, which someday we will still create. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It might
1: not look anything like what we thought it was going to, but yeah. it's, it's coming into fruition.
0: Exactly. A, t- a TV show on um, Netflix and Hulu, which we won't say much about if we actually want to go create it. What I really want to say is when I met you, I remember thinking, how incredibly beautiful you are. And Mm. from all levels, like physical beauty, soul, um, the way you view the world, the way you talk about people and support people. And what I found most special that was wrapped up in that beauty was this, you exude joy and humor. Mm. And it's like, it's so fun to just be in your presence and to sit with you and experience that. So I just, um, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Do you
1: start every podcast making your guests cry? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, yes, we just jump right in to that vulnerability. <laughs> that
1: is so but... beautiful. I love that that was your experience of me. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I can I say my experience of you? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. You know, you're the boss here, but <laughs> I'm just going to do what I want to do, as you know. <laughs> exactly. Which is why I love you. I mean. Literally, the first time that I met you, which again, was online. So it's not even being in physical person, you know, Mm -hmm. face to face. But I just remember feeling this fire and this strength from you, that it was just like, literally, there's nothing that can stand in this girl's way. There is nothing that she won't just burn through with her desire. You like when you focus in on something, it's like the world parts ways for you to walk through because your desire and your vision is so pure and Mm -hmm. so clear. And it's just like, yes, yes, absolutely. Whatever she's doing, I want to be part of it. Uh Whatever she's up to, like I want to. And I think that that's what real leadership is. It was your leadership that was shining through when I first met you. And that comes from, you know, being a visionary and having, you know, very clear vision of the world that you want to live in.
0: Mm, thank you.
1: So, thank you. yeah.
0: That's really cool to to see yourself reflected in other people. And I, I really oh, hope. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, and how often do we actually allow that or practice receiving that? Um,
1: oh, Yeah. yeah. I mean we probably practice it a little bit more because we make it a part of our practice with our clients and even the you know other people that we're close to but I don't think that it's common enough it feels very uncomfortable for people to to be um to have their essence or their being reflected back to them
0: yeah well and you're you're a coach and you're a magical um woman. I'm just going to say magical witch woman that we yes. talk about, <laughs> we'll talk about a little bit today. But I think as coaches in particular, it's such a beautiful gift of our job that mm-hmm. when people ask me, you know, why do you love being a coach? Uh, part of this is that we get to really experience ourselves as well in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we're all mirrors for each other in the world. And so I I certainly see that in, in um, my day to day which I think is a true gift of our profession and helps me support leaders in seeing it in themselves.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you are a very gifted seer. I would say that's one thing that I think we bonded over pretty quickly too, was how easy it is for us to see the good in people and to see past all of the things that they kind of put in front of themselves to try and hide who they really are. It's like, you don't have to do that. I just, I see you and you see me. And it just makes it so much easier to move through the world like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is It is truly a gift. Well, speaking of the ability to receive and to see in the world, I know that you and I wanted to talk about Women's History Month. It's the, it's the beginning of the month for us um, as we're recording this. So happy Women's History Month.
1: Yes, happy Women's History Month. (laughs) Oh my God, can I just tell you, like before we even dive into this, how much I used to hate being a woman. Mm. Like growing up, I actually thought that I was less than, I thought that I was smaller and weaker and all of these things than a man. And I used to think that it was actually kind of a curse Mm. that I was born a woman. And I would say for the probably the first 35 years of my life. I thought that being born a woman was a hindrance.
0: Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I'm trying to think. I, I think I had a similar experience. It might not have been so strong of a context of like, this is wrong. And, and I attribute yeah. that to my family because I think they did a beautiful job of trying to make all things equal in our house, right. my brothers and I. And I noticed that I, while I didn't hate being a woman, I didn't also embrace the gifts of mm. being a woman until mm-hmm. much later mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. Do you do you find that that is also the case around your gifts or was oh, it? Oh, like for sure.
1: No? For sure, for sure, for sure. Because the thing is I had so much internalized misogyny inside of myself, which I wasn't even aware of until I really started doing like a deep dive into coaching and into mindset work and, you know, deconstructing my internalized you know operating systems for lack of a better word. And I realized, oh my gosh, I have so much internalized misogyny. And I really think that it had a huge impact on how much I was able to listen to my intuition. And even I noticed like with therapists, when I would have therapists, um, if it was a male therapist, I would naturally kind of go with whatever they were saying and think that they were right about me mm. when they would give me a reflection or they would say something about me, I would automatically give them the authority because they were a man. No other reason except that they were a man. And so they must know better than me. And then I like woke up and I was like, hold on a second. Nobody knows me better than me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually know. And I can say you know what, that doesn't resonate for me, what you just said. And that's okay too, because there's like a fear of confronting a male and having that come back on me and, you know, basically have my own opinions being weaponized against me. Mm. If I challenge somebody, then, you know, I, I might be put in my place, quote unquote, or whatever. And then it wasn't until I started practicing that more and more with men in my life. And I, started attracting more really safe men who wanted me to be myself and wanted me to be fully expressed. And those men for me were such a huge gift because I I was able to realize, oh, I'm actually giving my power and my authority away to you just because you are male presenting. Whereas I actually can take all of that back. And when I do, I'm so much more aligned. I'm so much more, I feel so much more empowered in my decisions and I don't sit and wonder and have so much like doubt or, um, you know, regret. I'm not busy thinking about the past. I'm not busy thinking about the future. I'm just being present with what's happening right now. And Mm -hmm. that's where all of our power is. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, man, there's so much in that to unpack, but I... (laughs) I think the thing I'm most curious about is you said the word intuition, you know, at the beginning yeah. of this. And so I'm curious, what does intuition mean to you? And for somebody who may not have access to their intuition right now or even be familiar with what that even looks like or means, what, yeah. would, you, what would you say to them or how would you describe it?
1: I think the best way that I know how to describe it is it's your inner knowing. It's like this part of you that maybe is like in tune with whatever you want to call it, source, God, spirit, you know, like this kind of invisible flow of life. There's a part of you that's always in tune with that. And a lot of times we can try and, and use our logical brains to figure things out. And that's totally cool. I don't think that you should give up your logical brain ever, but um, your intuition, it's not it's not always going to necessarily make sense logically, but it's, it's like that's that inner knowing that, I mean, give me a second, because I've never really like explained this. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Take your time. But yeah, it's, um, it's just that part of you that's completely in the flow of life. Mm. And it takes sometimes some stillness to be able to access it which is something that we don't always cultivate in our culture, but it's, it's like your, your um, compass and your map, if you will, through your life, especially when it comes to like making decisions. And I think that the biggest thing that people sometimes confuse with their intuition um, is their fear because they... they think like, oh, their intuition is going to warn them of something bad that's going to happen. And that is sometimes true with physical danger. You know, your hair might stand up on the back of your neck or you get this sense when you walk into a room that you're just like, this is not the place for me. Like, I need to get out of here. Like little things like that. Even I have an example. Um, One time I remember I was in a car and I was in the passenger seat. And for some reason, I felt like I was naked. I was like, something's missing. Like, I feel like I'm naked. Like, what is going on? And I realized in that moment that I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. And I was like, oh. So I put on my seatbelt. Literally five seconds later, we got into a car accident. Oh, wow. And if I hadn't been wearing my seatbelt, I would have flown through the front windshield. Mm-hmm. But because I was wearing my my seatbelt, I was, like, safe and I was fine. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So it's, like, little things like that where it's like that inner knowing that comes on pretty strong like telling you okay do this and when we listen to it we start seeing like oh everything is actually like working out for me everything is always trying to work together for my highest good if i just like let go of trying to control everything and i just kind of am able to go with the flow of life uh does that even answer your question
0: So yeah, and I, I love okay. the just the I'm really getting uh, clear images and descriptions when you're talking about it, and I love that you talked about fear versus intuition because I think for me and for some of my my clients and the leaders that I support in the world, there's always this question of is it really my intuition or am I overthinking this or is this my fear? And so um, I'm curious, how have you? how have you defined like what that is for you and how have you learned to be with that? Those two questions inside you.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, those are really, really good questions. And I think for me specifically, and obviously it's going to be different for everybody, but I have noticed the pattern for myself that if it's my intuition, it usually comes with a lot of peace
0: Mm.
1: and almost like a feeling of acceptance. And when it's my fear, It does not feel like that to me at all. Um, And one of the things that I like to practice with myself, obviously, but also with my clients is just asking this question if there was no right or wrong, and no matter what you did, everyone would be ecstatically happy, what would you do? What would you want? And that's usually your intuition. Mm -hmm. Because your intuition lives outside of this, you know. Um, duality of right and wrong good or bad black and white mm-hmm. and so typically if you can kind of remove yourself from that you're able to tap into your intuition more and you know most of our fears are usually like how is this going to affect somebody else you know how is my team going to respond to this decision that I'm making is this going to make sense to my partner if I make this decision right and when you let go of all of that, you can actually hear like your personal truth and your in, inner knowing.
0: Wow. So now I'm curious, because something we, you and I have talked about before is healing from the past. And I'm specifically thinking about Women's History Month, right? And yeah. all the ways that women have been made wrong mm-hmm. in the past for their intuition or told that their intuition is not valid. Or even now, as we are in, in conversations where we're, um, you know, leaders are becoming more inclusive in the way that they see people in general, and I'm, I'm thinking of even people that identify as women, mm-hmm. what's the healing work that there is to be done around that? And, and I'm, I'm thinking specifically of you because you've shared before that there's been some healing from religious trauma in your past. And so yeah. if we take that that scenario and couple it with a conversation about intuition. How did you do some healing there to actually still be able to access it?
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so deep. (laughs) That's so deep. But I think for me, a lot of the healing work that I needed to do was in trusting my own voice and just saying out loud what my truth is. And trusting that whoever I'm speaking to is going to be okay.
0: Mm. That's really beautiful. What do you, and what do you say to people that are still in spaces where that's unsafe to do that? Right? Like I'm thinking of all the places where where we think it's safe, but it's not. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah i i mean i would say just start with knowing what your truth is you're not always going to be able to speak your truth you know even if your voice shakes da, 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 like it's not actually realistic all the time but you can test the waters here and there and you know when it's the right time you know when it's you know your your time to say something and when it's not but just acknowledging your truth even if you don't say it out loud just acknowledging that it's there that will go like miles and miles for you for just being able to trust your own instincts Mm -hmm. and just build that self-trust because I think for me as a woman that has been the biggest thing that I've had to heal was my relationship with trusting myself with trusting my own intuition with trusting my own voice with trusting you know my decisions with just trusting what I even want to do day to day. Like yesterday, I could barely get out of bed. I felt so depressed and I just felt so like worthless. You know, I was just having one of those days. And I think a lot of people have those days. And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to do the things that I have to get done, obviously. And I'm going to have some grace with myself and I'm going to lay under the blankets (laughs) between every Mm -hmm. single thing that I have to do. I'm going to come back to my bed and I'm going to lay down and I'm going to do nothing. And anything that I can take off my plate, I'm going to take off my plate. And like giving yourself that space, giving yourself that permission to not do everything for everybody else, but to actually prioritize what you need, I think goes a long way for building self-trust too.
0: Yeah, so it's a practice.
1: So yeah. All over time. Yeah. For sure. And it's not something that comes naturally per se, because we're literally taught that our worth comes from what we give to other people mm-hmm. or how we can serve the collective or serve the corporation that we're working for, serve our families. Like we're taught that that's where our value comes from. And so like saying, yeah, you know what? I, that, I am valuable to this place and I am valuable to these people and this community, but I'm also valuable to me Mm. and I matter to me and what I want matters to me. And just being able to hold yourself in alignment in that way. I think even if, you know, you're not going to do it perfectly. Like you said, it's a practice just like balance and all the rest of these things that we aspire to. It's all a practice and it's never something that you're going to like nail 100% of the time. But if you're getting closer and closer to it, you start feeling more and more powerful. Mm. And then you like figure it out that you're actually unstoppable. (laughs) Like, oh, this is what nobody wanted me to see. (laughs) I'm actually a really powerful person. Huh. Okay.
0: Well, I know we're talking a lot about women right now for Women's History Month, but I am curious about men and their intuition? Because that's another common question I get from my leaders who are, who are men, which is, you know, when I talk about intuition as a woman, it has now become in society, or at least my perception of it has been like, oh, well, that's a, that's a conversation for women,
1: Mm. women,
0: a woman's intuition. Yeah. A coined phrase. Yeah. So what do you have to say about men and their intuition?
1: I mean, they've got it just as much as we do. They, if I mean, and the thing is, it's interesting is that men are usually following their intuition when they're like following their gut. You know, a lot of guys are like, oh, just follow your gut, you know, and listen to your gut. And that gut instinct is their intuition. They are just not socialized and conditioned to second guess it as much as we are. And so they're actually typically, most of the guys that I've worked with at least, are actually really in tune with their intuition. They're just not calling it that per se. If you think about it, like every single person on the planet, and I don't want to get too, you know, down into the dirt of like binaries and things like that, but we all contain the feminine and the masculine and we all need to lean into both of them. And I've noticed that the the men that I know that are willing to lean into their, their feminine aspects and aren't afraid of that, are doing, I think, so much work to undo the patriarchy and to make this world an actually better place. Because it's like, you know, they're taught from a young age a lot of times that anything feminine is not okay. And that if they show any feminine aspects, then that makes them weak, that makes them less than, da all the things that we were talking about earlier, you know, and the internalized misogyny that I grew up with. And so when they're able to lean into that more and trust that more, I find that they end up feeling a lot more empowered because they're no longer trying to hide any part of who they are. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times I I hear the male language around intuition is like, your gut. Yeah, follow your gut, you know? And I, I think that that's pretty much what it pans out to be.
0: Yeah. I like that because I think uh, when we put it in terms of I have this and I'm I'm better at this than you are. Yeah. And, and in perspective of that, we get away from a human spiritual approach, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We all have that voice inside us and yours is not any more or less than mine.
1: Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing is that it doesn't have to look the same for everybody. I mean, once you start realizing that everybody's intuition – their inner knowing, whatever you want to call it, it speaks to them in different ways and it expresses itself in different ways. And everybody's on a different journey. Like we're not all supposed to be at the same place at the same time. Like we're all supposed to be on our own journeys. (laughs) Like that's part of what's cool about living in community with other human beings is that we don't all have the same strengths. We don't all have the same quote unquote weaknesses. We don't all have the same timeline. And, like, letting and allowing everybody else to have their own journey. I think that's been the biggest thing about healing from religious trauma for me, too, is, like, just realizing that we don't all have to be the same. Like, we don't all have to believe exactly the same. And, Mm -hmm. you know, our spirituality can be expressed however it needs to be expressed. I don't, and I'm not, I don't believe, you know, in, like, whatever, this new age kind of spirituality, like, I don't necessarily believe everything that you know, everybody else believes either. And that's beautiful. And I can just let them have their beliefs and I can let myself have my beliefs. And it's about living in alignment with yourself. I feel like that's what your intuition is really guiding you towards is living in alignment with your truest self.
0: What's possible for uh, leadership in the world or leaders in the world if we are following this path of everyone being on their own journey, listening to your intuition, and getting really clear about the
1: healing work you're doing? Mm. What do you think is possible? I mean, (laughs) the fast answer is like, what's not possible? (laughs) Um, You know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. But I think that... um, you know, communities and companies and uh, organizations that are really utilizing their members to the best of their abilities. I think that that's the first thing that really comes to mind. Because when you, you know, the energy and alignment of the leader of any group that you're in is going to trickle down and affect everybody who's in that group, right? And they set the tone, whether they like it or not. You're setting the tone. And if you imagine like every single person listening to this, you are the leader of every room that you walk into, whether or not you're the boss, you are a leader. And so you set the tone to every room that you go into. You can set the tone of being afraid and you can set the tone of you know, second guessing or you could set the tone of trusting yourself. You can set the tone of trusting the people around you to know what their strengths are and to really lean into what turns them on. Because when everybody in the organization is leaning into what turns them on, literally it moves mountains. Mm-hmm. And everybody feels that fulfillment. You know, it's a win-win. It's creating win-wins with everybody that you're working with towards a common goal. Because everybody feels like their contributions matter. And I feel like that, that feeling of belonging and significance inside any group of people is what really motivates people to keep moving forward way more than like a pizza party on a Friday. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. I remember the pre-pandemic right? of the
1: pizza party on Friday. Yes. Let's so buy good. you pizza so you don't realize like how overworked you are and how underappreciated yes. you are. Yeah. Like if you feel like you belong in an organization and you feel like your gifts and your intuition and, um, you know, your vision matters, that's going to go so much further to avoiding burnout and to really like keeping you going and motivating you to, to give your best.
0: So good. I'm thinking about one of the conversations I've been in pretty consistently the last couple of weeks with leaders, um, for many old organizations nonprofits and and finance have actually been the two industries specifically that I've been in conversations about this with uh, there's a lot of discord between generations
1: mm-hmm. right? like i
0: hear a lot of a lot of talk these days about how you know baby boomers and millennials and, and don't necessarily understand or get you know gen z or gen x and and how are they all going to work together and Some people think that you should work harder and some people think you should work less. And so there's this, uh, there's a lot of uh, what I'm going to call rumbling, Mm -hmm. (laughs) rumbling going on about how to really hear each other and be in relationships together. So I'm curious from what you just shared from the sense of belonging, what's, what do you think is possible with that conversation with multi-generations right now? Yeah.
1: Well, I I think that probably the first thing is just remembering that none of us have the whole picture. You know, just like no one person knows everything. No one person has the entire perspective and our collective vision for what's possible becomes so much stronger when everybody's vision is invited to, to be expressed. And I think it just comes back to, again, listening. Like, the greatest leaders in the world are great listeners. And when we listen to each other and actually listen to understand instead of just listening to respond, that's when we're able to see, okay, maybe we don't believe the same thing. Maybe I don't think the same thing. I, I wasn't socialized and conditioned in the same way that a baby boomer was. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. in a completely different way. And I wasn't socialized and conditioned the same way that Gen Z was. I mean, Gen Z is out here loving their bodies and just wearing whatever they want. And I grew up in diet culture. Like, you were supposed to be a rail stick skinny. And I thought I was so fat, like 120 pounds. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, we all, we all grew up in different places. But if we're able to try and understand where the other person is coming from it can actually expand our view instead of having to be right mm-hmm. and think mm-hmm. like we know the right way. So I guess that's probably where it starts for me at least. is just like letting go of this idea that I have to be right in order to be valuable.
0: Mm, beautifully said. <laughs> letting go that I have to be right to be valuable. So good. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about or share? We've, we've hit a lot
1: here. I know. I feel like we, we did a lot.
0: We did do a lot.
1: Um, let me think about that for a second, if there's anything else that I want to say. Yeah, check with our intuition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I definitely feel like it's going to be more important than ever moving forward as a species, as like a human species, that um, the different generations are able to work together and that we're able to glean from the older generations what they know and also be okay with like letting go of anything that doesn't really resonate anymore. But it's Mm -hmm. interesting too, because especially because you brought up finance And that's one of those things that there are so many like rigid rules that this is the right way to do this. This is the right way to handle money. This is the right way to invest. This is the right way to buy things, you know? And it's really honestly something that I work with a lot of people on is finances and intuitive finances and actually using your own intuition to see like, okay, what actually feels right to you? And I found that people make a lot more money when they are listening to their intuition. And that's not to say that making money is the be-all end all of life, right? Because it's not like there's so much more to life than just making money. <laughs> but when they are in alignment with their values and they're spending in alignment and earning in alignment, it's so much easier for them to be able to receive that energy of money. But you know, it's it's a new, it's a new, Perspective that's coming through. And I think that Gen Z has a lot of things to teach us as well. Like, I am constantly amazed at the wisdom that Gen Z has and their ability to be resilient and their ability to basically just cut through the bullshit and be like, that doesn't matter. This is what matters. Mm-hmm. And Gen Z is like yelling at us people matter. People matter. Mm-hmm. You know, corporations they they come and go. You know, they're empires that are they're built and, and they crumble sometimes. But like the people that make up the corporation, that's what matters.
0: Yeah. So beautiful. Well, if you had one thing to leave everybody with, I would say in celebration of the month, uh, anybody identifying as a woman, yeah. what would you offer them for this next year? I
1: would just offer them that you are perfect exactly as you are. Like literally, it does not, you don't have to be hyper feminine. You don't have to be hyper masculine. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to be nurturing and soft and gentle. You don't have to be, you know, like fierce and fiery. You get to just be you. And that is enough. And you being yourself as a woman is what makes up the beautiful tapestry that is the feminine in the world. And I love seeing people come out of that box of what they think a woman should be or how they think a woman should act at work, you know, (laughs) and just being themselves because that's liberating every single person around you, not just women.
0: I love that.
1: Thank you so much for having me on today. This has been so fun. Thank
0: you. What a fun conversation. Yeah, I really really love you and I love your soul and your magic Mm. in the world. Thanks for being a leader of leaders who... Uh, inspires people to find out their true authentic voice and, and
1: push oh, thank
0: you.